Welcome to Estradial Illusions. We are going on another uh, return trip to the uh, to Park City in Utah and covering another film from the Slamdance Film Festival and one that has really stuck in my mind uh, since then. I think it's actually of, of really all the ones that I've seen at Sundance and Slamdance. I, I can't think of one that's more timely for... The current climate that we're living in with the with the pandemic and people, it seems like every day there's a news story about a big retail giant that's been around for 100 years that's now in trouble. But um, before all of that happened, the directors couldn't have possibly known that we were about to hit a global pandemic. But uh, we have the directors of a film called Jasper Mall, which I really loved, uh, where we have uh, Bradford Thomason and Brett Whitcomb here to talk about the film with us. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Bradford? you want to go first? Uh, sure, yeah. I'm uh, Bradford Thomason. I'm co-director on Jasper Mall. I uh, also edited the film. Um, and this is um, mine and Brett's fifth feature documentary that we've made together. And I'm Brett, and um, I co-directed and shot the film. So I... I'm thinking back to all of the conversations I had in the Sundance uh, at the the press lines of people, you need to stand around waiting for things. And, you know, one of the natural conversations was what other films you'd seen, especially early on in the festival, because I'd gotten uh, Jasper Mall ahead of time. People say, people would ask, you know, how the, how the Slamdance slate was. And I'd always bring up Jasper Mall and I, I brought it up. This happened uh, a number of times and I would typically kind of get the same reactions of, you know, this is a movie about a a shopping mall, and yet it's a narrative that's very uh, contemplative and uh, extremely engaging. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you decided you wanted to film this? Um, this is Bradford. I think I think uh, you know we, we sort of have a natural bent towards um, things that we're nostalgic for from our childhood, and. Um, you know, malls and, and mall culture and sort of looking back on retro malls um, is something that's been, you know, fairly popular in the last couple of years. So the malls were in the back of our head. And then um, one day I was driving back from Nashville and, and pulled into the Jasper Mall um, and just kind of had a look around and, you know, really fell in love with it aesthetically. You know, it was a small, manageable size, but it looked just like the malls of our childhood. And immediately started sending Brett photos, uh, you know, texting him pictures of the mall and saying, Hey, we should come here and hang out and see what kind of stories we find. And, and then, you know, we did that. We went to the mall, we started meeting people, you know, before we even filmed anything and fell in love with, with everyone there and the place and, and started making the movie. Had you, so, so the, the, the film is, is primarily, uh, shown through the eyes of, uh, Mike, who is kind of the, general manager handyman he seems to basically do just about every possible like, he seems to basically run them all by himself yeah uh, had, for sure had you had you met him beforehand uh before you decided to film because i mean he he seems like really the, the the perfect figure to put in a in a documentary like this yeah he was kind of the reason you know we we started going there to hang out first just because we we liked the mall like the way it looked um, like the way it felt just kind of being there. Um, and once we started getting serious about possibly making a movie, um, we met Mike, um, you know, cause you, you know, probably couldn't have made the film if Mike would have said, 
he's not interested. I don't know what kind of movie it would have been at that point. Um, you know, it would have been a lot of just cool mall shots and, you know, all the other characters that are in the film. But once Mike was on board and we realized how active he was in the mall and how busy he was, we knew that every time we went to the mall that we were going to at least have footage uh, and hopefully it would turn into something. So we, we kind of, once he gave us a green light, we, we were like, yeah, let's go. He seems in a lot of ways to, uh, you know, there's a lot of scenes where uh, you shoot him either on the roof or he's, he's cleaning and he, he, a lot of, a lot of the scenes are kind of his uh, sort of inner thoughts expressed kind of sort of his, his hopes and desires for them all. And he, he seemed like he was pretty active in terms of uh, trying to, to revive it. Although there, there had been, you know, the mall had been hit pretty hard with uh, Kmart and JC Penney had left before the film was started. Is that right? Right. And, yeah, it, it, it's it seems it it seems like for a lot of the narrative, he was essentially just trying to sort of push push a boulder up a hill, and then it was just kind of like tumbling back down every time. Yeah, I think that he's I think he's just really passionate about what he's doing. You know, just like he was passionate about you know his zoo and his animals. I think that you know if he's going to be the caretaker of the Jasper Mall, then he's going to do it. You know, one hundred percent. And you know, he cares about the people there. He cares about the sort of community that he has there. And obviously he likes having a job. So, you know, he's, he's really serious about, about taking care of the mall and keeping it going. And as of now for, so this is, this is August, 2020. If there's anybody listening uh, in the future, um, there's the, as, as of now, the Jasper mall is still there, right? It's, it's still active. That's yes. right. I actually, I saw, I, I checked their Facebook page uh, about an hour ago before we started recording. It seemed like uh, last month that they had had the carnival that, that you guys had depicted in the film. It seemed like during the pandemic that that, that had gone forward. Yeah, it looks, looks like it had. Yeah, I saw a little bit about that as well. Yeah, I even like you see the comments that uh, that it, somebody had written that Mike, Mike, the the obsensible star of the film had had tried to stop it so i mean that was probably it seemed it it, it seemed like he was kind of uh level-headed about uh a, a lot of a lot of the the caretaking of them all but I, i'm just reminded of there was a lot uh in the there were a lot of sequences in the film where he would say you know if we did this then maybe people would come back and I, you hear him say that a couple times and like I, I remember i was sitting on my couch watching it and i'm thinking to myself like no that's that's not gonna happen people are not coming back like that's mm-hmm. and I, I i guess from from both of your perspectives spending all that time with him um I, I really liked how the film was able to showcase him speaking his truth while also kind of taking a, a tone that was probably uh, a bit independent of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got I always got the vibe that he was hopeful, but also like super realistic about it. I never felt like, like and I really got that vibe towards the end of the film when he says like, if this mall closed, I could go work at another mall. So I think he was pretty practical about what worked and what couldn't. And some of that, you know, might've been just, you know, we're filming him and he wants to also feel like he's doing something like, 
you know, like to, to bring them all back. And, you know, we, we never coach anybody or tell anybody to, to like say anything. So, you know, I think it was probably a, a lot of times when we were just filming him quietly doing stuff and he just decided to kind of give us information. Uh, that's when we got a lot of like what he might just be thinking at that moment, which was kind of cool. That's really interesting to hear you say that because the film itself kind of plays out kind of like an elegy to malls. And yet for the actual, uh, you know, for the person who works there, he's treating it more like a commercial in other words. Well, you mean, uh, like, like a promotional. I I see. Yeah. I I think that's just his, I think that's just kind of his MO. I think he, I think he's, he feels a responsibility, uh, to keep the stores occupied. You know, he feels a responsibility as the manager to keep businesses, you know, in the mall, because I think that he, um, you know, I think that from a practical sense, I think that, you know, if the mall closes, he doesn't have a job and then he'd have to go find another one, whether that's at another mall or not. But, you know, I, I don't, I think that, 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 um, like Brett was, was saying, I think, you know, he, he, he sees these empty spaces or this time that we're spending together as, as not, maybe not as a commercial opportunity, but, you know, as an opportunity to express what he's feeling in relation to the mall. Cause we're there doing a, a documentary about the mall. And, you know, I think it works, you know, from a narrative perspective, because here's a guy who's trying to save the mall and, you know, whether or not that's, that's ever going to happen is, is, um, you know, unclear. And, and just, just for, for context for the viewers. So, uh, Brett had mentioned that, that, Mike had owned a zoo. He's a quite a character. He's Australian. Uh, a lot of times you have kind of whiplash wondering how this Australian found his way into Alabama. And, uh, I, I thought that was always, uh, kind of neat. And you, you structured the documentary in a way that kind of allowed his, his story to play out a little more across the narrative, sort of alongside the developing narrative of them all. Yeah, I think that was mostly because we decided to, not rush this because we were 45 minutes from the mall. We decided that, you know, we, we don't often have a chance in our films to go to the place that we're making the dock whenever we want. And a lot of times, a lot of things are scheduled. You know, you, you, you agree to meet someone at their house for an interview or, you know, you allot a certain amount of time and then you have, you know, you eat lunch. This was really organic and fun in the way that we would, I would text Brad, Hey, do you want to uh, go up there today? And then we'd text Mike and he would say, yeah, you know, you don't have to text me you can come up here whenever you want. So we would do that. And then we'd check in with Mike and it, w- w- he was always doing something. So we just, depending on his mood, we would say, Hey, let's, can we throw a mic on you and just hang out? And then we'd spend, you know, eight to 10 hours or so just hanging around and we'd give him his space and go film other stuff and then come back to him. And we just, uh, what really made this work, I think was allowing an unlimited amount of time and just allowing things to happen in front of our our camera instead of trying to like micromanage it or, or hope that, you know, in the two weeks that we're there that we get what we need for a movie. That was really nice. So we've had a couple other, documentary directors on in the past few months and one of the things that we've always talked about is the finite amount of time that they have with their subjects whether it's a year a few months or whatnot can you talk a little bit about the timing for uh filming and uh how much time you thought you'd be spending with them all 
Uh, I think we went into it kind of thinking we would do it for as long as it took. I mean, I know I don't think we ever wanted to necessarily shoot for more than a year, um, but we thought that you know, given the different different seasons and different things that happened over the course of time in the mall, uh, including Christmas and, and such, that you know, spending a year would would cover. I think a lot of those things. Um, I, I know that we we didn't really set a, a time window, though. You know, we just like Brett was saying, we just kind of let it unfold and 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 stopped when we felt like we had what we needed. But it was weird because the first, you know, four months we went, we were getting the like some of the best stuff in the movie. Um, like we'd go there, and then you know the guy telling jokes would come up to us while we were filming, and we would just get this really great moment. Um, or, you know, that day they would have somebody selling knives. Um, so, um, and then towards the end of the movie, like, I don't know, less people started going to the mall and less things started happening and got a lot more quiet, um, which kind of reflects kind of the way the end of the movie feels. So it was really kind of strange how everything worked out and how we were able to get so much in the first, you know, I'd say five, six months. Were you, I mean, the idea that the mall could close while you were making the, the, the movie had to have crossed your mind. How, how much did that kind of play into to the way that you were shooting it? Um, you know, I think we, I think that we knew in the back of our minds that something like that happened, then obviously it would become a part of the story. Um, it never really, I, mean, I don't know about how Brett feels about this, but it never really felt like that was going to happen in the time we were filming, I think that, you know, that the mall still has an anchor and that's Belk and it's fairly, you know, popular. Um, I think within the town people go there. So we, we always kind of felt like as long as Belk is there, the mall is going to be okay. Um, so that the threat of closing, um, despite the fact that stores were closing here and there, uh, didn't, I never thought about it too, too much. And it's been open for so long that the thought that it would have closed the year that we started filming was, was pretty crazy to me like i didn't think that was going to happen just because it just seemed weird that that would happen the 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 year we filmed um and like brad said because of the anchor if they lost the you know the anchor i I think that they could close any any minute so the 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 one anchor store that was still there um they did you i mean there's a lot of stores that are kind of like shown in the background that uh you obviously didn't uh like some of them would be uh, more chains, like a Hallmark store or a Subway. Um, did you approach like every store in the mall asking them to take part in the documentary or did you film some that you cut out? Um, we, we talked to everybody in the store, all, all the stores except, you know, like even Zales and stuff. And, and, and some people seem pretty open to it, but like, Nothing with the with the Hallmark and stuff like that. It's just like nothing. We never connected with anybody in the Hallmark that felt like it matched with the story of the film. Uh huh. We were there making ourselves open to, you know, we were always there and we were there for two or three weeks before we even started filming, meeting people, remembering names, getting phone numbers, hanging out with the cameras so people got used to the way it looked. Because um, it's pretty, you know, weird. That mall kind of has its own you know, system going on that we definitely disrupted when we first came in. And we didn't want that to, we didn't want it to disrupt as we were filming as much as possible. Um, so we were open to whoever 
whatever worked. So if, if Hallmark, if there was a story in Hallmark that was amazing, we would have tried really hard to like, you know, get corporate to let us film in Hallmark, you know, just like the, 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 the army recruitment center, you know, that was a process to get access in there. It wasn't easy. Um, but we, we, we knew that it, you know, just having a army recruitment center inside the mall is kind of, it's something that I think we remember from malls when we were growing up. And it's also, uh, it's a little bit of a strange thing actually, uh, to have, to have in the mall. So with things like that, we kind of fought to get in the film, but things that didn't, we just kind of let go. Yeah, I noticed that too. We have it, it actually closed, but we had an army recruitment center on uh, the strip in, I live in Long Beach, California. Uh, our, actually, like our, our, our current busiest street, Pine Ave, like the big downtown area is kind of with, with COVID sort of becoming Jasper Mall with uh, the, the way that it's. Uh, affecting the businesses and in fact earlier today they announced that they're closing the street off to cars to basically make the entire road uh accommodating for out- outdoor dining but i, I the hmm. army recruitment center has i think it's been really closed probably the whole time i've been here about four years hmm. and uh when i saw that and yeah it is kind of odd that it's in a shopping mall but in a lot of ways i guess they they go where there's uh, foot traffic and where they can afford it and whatnot sure so I mean, yeah, and um, a lot of the film focuses on uh, a couple of the the local shops. There's one, uh, there was one called uh, Robin's Nest, which gets a lot of focus. The the flower shop, and they they do well, close, retire, however, however they would want to phrase it, uh, over over the course of the film. Um, did that kind of play into the way that you were deciding on who to shoot? Cause they, they seemed very open to uh, hearing you guys uh, throughout the narrative. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, we, you know, we met Robin and hung out a little while and then, you know, learned that she was going to close. And I think that, you know, from a narrative perspective, it seemed like that was a perfect sort of uh, thing to capture uh, to represent, uh, you know, what malls are like everywhere. Cause shops are closing up all over the place, you know, and, and she was, you know, Robin was really sweet and, and her husband, you know, they were really great with us, you know, and I, we, I, fe- I felt, I think we felt like we, we were able to capture a story there that's pretty universal. She was pretty reluctant though in the beginning, like she was yeah, really nervous true. about being on camera, like she didn't, she kind of said no almost and it was devastating because we, you know, we just loved the way the store looked. It was one of the stores that we were like, it just looked beautiful and the fact that she owned it for 25 years and I think once she saw that we weren't really going anywhere and uh you know after asking her a few more times and kind of convincing her that it might be something she might like to have one day to just to show her family it kind of worked out but she was super humble and then she turned out to really enjoy like telling stories and stuff do you think that there was any kind of uh, re- resistance to the idea that, like, you were you were there to to film about the mall? I, I guess some people who who had active stores in there would kind of wonder, you know, why are they here if not to kind of, you know, chart the the sort of broader trajectory of malls across across the country? Well, I. Th- I- I think we were. I mean, I think we were fairly candid about um, why we were there. We didn't. I mean, it, it was it would it would have been difficult to articulate exactly kind of the nuances of what the film would become. But we were definitely transparent in saying, you know, we're looking at what malls look like in 2020, 
and uh-huh. and that that includes you know how a mall survives or doesn't survive in the in the era of online shopping and things like that. I mean, we were, we were pretty clear about that. Um, so if, if anyone responded negatively, I think you know they had the the information that they needed to make that decision. Um, but they did. I mean, I, I remember people saying like just coming up to us and saying, are you, are you filming that cause the mall's closing? You know, like it was kind of like, yeah, it was like, we were going to almost like, are we trying to take advantage? Are we here just as like the last, you know, okay, we're going to come in here at the end and, and, and just film this mall dying and then bounce. I definitely, we definitely got that. I got that vibe from a few people. Um, but once we like talked, actually got past that and sat down and maybe like had lunch with them and talked to them and maybe showed them some of our other films, they they got more that it was about way more a bigger picture than just the mall and maybe that it's closing or what it looks like. It's more about, you know, things that we're interested in aesthetically, human beings, you know, like, you know, huge fans of Errol Morris. So it's more about the people than it is about anything else um and usually they kind of were like okay I, I get it you know that makes sense yeah because I, I thought a lot about how um i, rem- I remember a, a lot of uh coverage of the 2016 election was about how a lot of the middle uh the m- middle america felt that the media didn't uh, often accurate uh, often with with good reason felt that the media was treating them like flyover country and passerby and i i, I was kind of very interested in how Jasper Mall was kind of hitting at something that's a, a broader national conversation without, I mean, it's not a political film, but mm. it, it, it does, it does kind of capture this sort of the, the zeitgeist of what people are, 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 are feeling as it, as it relates to, especially the way that, that film or, or news coverage uh, depicts sort of the other parts of the country that aren't the coast. I, I, absolutely, I, I you know the the guys playing chat uh, dominoes. You know we could have probably opened. It, you know we could have asked them something that probably would have been you know like really who knows like pretty nuts. Um, and people sometimes would, older gentlemen would come up to me and ask me like or ask us what church we went to and stuff like that. They're really like sometimes some people were you know pretty like curious about what our agenda was. Um, but we were so, like Brad said, we were so transparent and willing to like sit down and have a conversation with them. That kind of threw them off. It wasn't, we weren't, you know, timid about it or we didn't, it's all, it's like we knew exactly what we wanted to do and we were able to explain that to them. And then when it was, when we were done, they were like, all right, cool. You know, whether they liked it or not, they, they could at least respect that it. it was like, it's, it's like our it's like we're just expressing our art form of stuff that we're interested in more than anything. I, I was really interested. Uh, I was reading a story, I guess when it was like still on track to be released this summer, but uh, the uh, uh, Warner brothers built, or they remodeled a mall in order to film uh, the new wonder woman, the 1984 one, which I guess like takes place right around the time of Jasper Mall's uh, or, or initial opening in the eighties back when people, uh, you know, back when the mall was the place to be on the weekend, something that uh, stranger things has, has, has covered. And the whole time I was thinking like they're remodeling this old closed mall. I, if I were them, I would have probably just gone down to use the Jasper mall. For that. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's plenty of malls out there that, that still look just like 
like they did when they opened. And the, the what kind of interests me a lot about, uh, especially kind of the middle of the documentary, when when you're not focusing on Mike, but some of just just tr- trying to have conversations with the people who like that. That's the place that they go. That's that's where they find community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for and, sure. And uh, you know, you think about like where that would. Uh, where those people would go if that if that mall wasn't there, and then you kind of realize that 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 it is a place that's important to that community, if not as uh, important as it once was. Yeah, it's just a different crowd of people. I mean, I think that you know during the eighties and nineties, it was you know thirty something thirty somethings and teenagers, and now it's you know more elderly people, and they're they're in there every day, you know. And Mike Mike even says it on the roof at, at one point, you know, he's like, I don't know where these people would go if the mall closed, and it's true. I mean, they, they're there playing dominoes or, or walking or, you know, just sitting on benches and it's just a different crowd of people who were there. Yeah. When I got out of college, I would go with my mom to, uh, we'd, when we'd go on Costco runs, it always struck me right next to the Costco was this Panera bread where uh, like every, every single morning I was there, I, we drove by or, or went in there to get a coffee. There was this group of old men who would sit at a corner and there, there was like 20 of them and what, what kind of, they, they were really loud and they, it, it didn't look like they got anything other than drinking coffee. But, uh, that Panera bread closed and the, I, w- I would always wonder like, where did those people who every morning they'd gather and they'd go to talk over each other. I didn't really witness many conversations. It was mostly just people talking over each other. And I, I, I just, I, I wondered where, where, where would they go after that? And then, I was watching Jasper Mall. I'm like, you know, we could give them a plane ticket. They could go find a new place to all go hang out. <laughs> and then, like, uh, so we mentioned we mentioned the carnival. Uh, that was kind of the... I remember at the point in the documentary when it happened, it was like, oh, you know, this is like... After all the time spent with Mike and there's a carnival, it's kind of like, you know, it's a documentary, but but it's it sort of feels like you're lack of a better word, like an action scene or whatnot, when like things really, really pick up. And um, I liked how in, like, the carnival didn't really feel like it was totally uh, full. It, it seemed kind of sparse, but there was a great dynamic between like people who would have been going to that carnival since the 80s. And then sort of you had the uh, young couple and it was like, you know, there's a good mixture of the old versus the new there that made for an interesting dynamic. Yeah, for sure. And you're right. It is the action scene, you know, like it, we were really, once we found out that there was a carnival, you know, I think Mike texted us one day and said, Hey, there, you know, we're talking, thinking about putting a carnival and some doing some other stuff. And we were really happy about that because we made a film called County Fair, Texas a couple of years back. And, you know, it has a carnival scene and they're just very nostalgic of you know when i was a kid i'm sure brad too i used to go to those things when they were in parking lots of like supermarkets and and um so we were like really excited just to see exactly what you're talking about like who who's going to this and are is it the same people that we see in the mall or is it different people that just drive by and see it and um then when Casey and isidore text us that they were going to go it was like all right you know this is going to be you know like a a very um a part of the movie that's like really like like you said kind of exciting versus 
maybe some of the other stuff that's more, you know, slow, I guess, or, you know, drawn I, out. That, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about your, the, the earlier movie that, that you guys made, the documentary for uh, Glow, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners have watched the uh, Netflix series, which is quite good. The documentary is great. It seemed like that, that parking lot could have been like a really great venue to, to stage one of, one of those shows and kind of like a, a, a appeal to the same, the same people. Well, they used to have wrestling inside the mall. Actually, they had put a wrestling. They used to promote wrestling inside where the food court was. They'd move everything out and put a, a rink and have and try to get people to come there with wrestling. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> did Did Mike ever has he tried to get the uh, a wrestling ring to come back to the mall? God, we tried. Yeah, didn't we? We mentioned it to him. I think it's. Uh, I think it's just a lot of liability, you know, to have right. a wrestling wrestling ring in a mall. That's why I didn't do it. It was legal insurance and stuff like that. I think back in the day, it was like you just kind of let things fly, and hopefully it's all right. And I think he, he he was definitely taking a more responsible route to it than you know what maybe he would have done in 1980. Well, they kind of like they kind of strike a lot of similar chords. I used to cover wrestling. Oh, oh, really? For like six or seven years ago, but I remember going to like especially the. Uh, smaller shows that typically like had one or two former WWE stars as like the top billing. And then you'd find it was mostly just, you know, like I guess the uh, other people that'd be on the ticket, you wouldn't find more so than like mid tier, like ring of honor people. And like you go to those places and they remind me a lot. I go to a lot of comic book conventions. You kind of like, there's a lot of crossover of like, you're, you're, you feel like you're kind of, you're, I mean, I was born in 91, but it, it feels like you're going into the 80s when you're dealing with uh, those those kinds of things. And there's something that really a- attracts you to that kind of aesthetic to kind of uh, examine the past and the present. Yeah, I think I think that, um, you know, when we when we start to feel ourselves uh, nostalgic for something um, that can be a very uh, sort of abstract feeling that just, you know, feels very warm and fuzzy and, and, you know, draws you in for reasons you can't fully explain. And then I think we get, I think we get interested in, in seeing what things look like, uh, behind that, you know, sort of peeling back the curtain on, on what, you know, what the nostalgia we feel now actually looks like in 2020, which was the case with the mall, you know, like Jasper mall looks just like it did in 83, but you know, it certainly isn't the same mall with the same people, you know? Right, yeah. Th- I mean, that that really on on the show we've covered uh, over a, a few of our past couple episodes. We've really sort of struck at nostalgia, and um, often kind of through an angle of uh, we had we had Heather Reed, who was uh, the co-founder of a band called The Murmurs, who the other member was uh, Leisha Haley from The L Word, and they were we were talking a lot about how uh, what what '90s life was like for for the LGBTQ community. And like, I know a lot of people are really drawn to the eighties, uh, sort of aesthetic, the nineties aesthetic and all of that. And I'm always like, like when, when I'm out and people are, are reminiscing and, and getting nostalgic for that, like you do kind of have to remind them like, like the nineties was not a good time for, for, for us. And I always like, I always try to get to like the core of people who, like nostalgia does make you warm and fuzzy, but then there's like a period after. Like I, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm always constantly thinking of: is there a thing as too much nostalgia, and what that looks like? Well, yeah. I mean, for 
at least for a lot of this, it's 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 almost more about the subcultures and the and the human beings. You know, like what is it like for a conversation? You know, I, I don't know if I'm answering that your question, but I, I think it's like your previous question about drawing us to do this, I guess. But it's it's just like whenever. Like sometimes when I drive around, I want to go drive around the backs of places, like the back of uh, TJ Maxx and like see what it looks like back there with the dumpster and the cat. And, you know, like I like that aesthetic. And I think that we felt like this mall had it was just like seething with that kind of stuff. And so it had the nostalgic stuff just because, you know, it has real plants and it has, you know, the mall hasn't been updated since 1990, I think. I think they probably did some stuff in 1990. but And then, you know, they used to do wrestling rings, and there was all this history. Um, but for us, it boils down to what these the human beings inside this mall and what they have to say about it and how they feel about the world kind of moving uh, past them. Were there a lot? Because I know there's the shot in the trailer of the – and I, they they feature briefly in the film the two young ladies who are outside. Um, mm-hmm. Were there a lot of like young? Were, did a lot of young people go to the mall? I know you featured a few of them. Uh, I, we we we'd see some young people um, sometimes, and obviously you know Casey and Isidore, we met them at the mall. Um, but I don't know that it was. It's not the it's not the mall of you know 1990 or whatever when there's teenagers right. with you know filling the halls. It, 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 there were there were definitely teenagers here and there. A lot of, a lot more families you'd see. You know if you saw a teenager, he was here. You know they were there with with their family. You know and or, or something like that. It was pretty dead. Uh, honestly, yeah. like I mean nothing. We'd stay there. We'd sometimes we'd be there for hours and we wouldn't see anybody. And um, we were kind of. Sometimes if we saw a young couple, like when we saw Casey and Isidore, we'd we'd like, I got to go talk to them right now and get their phone number, like super weird. Um, but it, it, we had to because we, because we wanted to tell these human stories and get what is Casey and Isidore's perspective of going to this mall? Like, what is it without directly asking them that we just wanted to film with them to see what it, what it felt like. And, um, so when we'd see young people, we'd usually, meaning like teenagers, which actually didn't happen a ton. I think we tried to approach every teenager that we saw at that mall. Um, and most of the time there were, uh, you know, mall walkers dominated that place. It was like definitely like basically a track. <laughs> yeah, I think about like my, I, I met my partner at a, at a mall and uh, I mean, Los Angeles is, uh, you know, we have a couple uh, big malls that, well, who knows how they're doing uh, with the coronavirus. But uh, back then, uh, when we were first dating, and malls malls existed as uh, much in the same function that they did in the uh, '80s or '90s. Like it was, it was a place to go, and I, in a lot of uh, a lot of the ways that uh, people are uh, people are meeting each other differently now. Um, I know there's there's a lot of people in the the LGBTQ community who are lamenting the uh, closure of a lot of uh, gay bars, which aren't really needed as much anymore with uh, online apps. And in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. But um, you think like you know is is for all the ease of of online shopping and all of that, um, 
if you're Friday night, if you're just going to spend it in a basement watching like a TikTok video, I don't really, I'm not sure if that's a better timeline. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think we certainly lament kind of the loss of uh, community um, in, in that, in the mall shopping experience, you know, I mean, uh, we've said this before, but you know, most of our growing up going to malls wasn't even about the shopping at all. You know, it was about going and just kind of hanging out and being there and seeing your friends and maybe playing some video games and checking out a pair of shoes you thought were cool, but you didn't buy. And I mean, so much of it was just being out in public, um, you know, busying yourself. Um, and you know, I mean, obviously we're in a place where that's, that feels very far away because of the pandemic and everything, but I mean, it was already going away and I definitely feel like there's a sense of community there that's lost. Don't forget going to Sabaro's and getting, yeah, a, get, and get getting a that, well, no, getting a beer in a plastic cup, you know, oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, a yeah. paper cup and with a straw and then you're like 19. <laughs> well, the, the plastic cup and the straw were kind of on the way out before the pandemic. Although now with the pandemic, that, the pandemic may have saved the plastic straw. <laughs> the pandemic saved, you know, disposable <laughs> containers. We were so close to getting rid of all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, they're hanging on. Uh, they're hanging on. Now that's like a big, uh, it's like, a, I, I've seen, at, I, uh, it was kind of a joke in California when the plastic straws were first going, but you would see places that have like a paper notice, like we have plastic straws. <laughs> it's like, what a, what a time to be alive that that's a big, uh, that's a big thing to advertise. <laughs> right. Wanted, yeah. Exactly. I wanted to ask about the, uh, there's the jewelry store, which is uh, featured, I guess it, it closed fairly early within the narrative. I don't know how early it closed relative to your. Uh, filming experience but you see like a really really bleak the guy's like really uh, upfront about how much money he's making a day and it i mean it's not pretty no and that that was all real like we i think we like I, i don't remember the exact timeline but it was it was when we decided to you know film with him it was like he was like he was leaving pretty soon and um, he definitely had tried really hard to make it there and it just wasn't working for him. And he, he, um, he was really open with us and he was just a really sweet guy and we didn't have a lot of time with them. So what you see there is like a pretty, like a lot of the footage that we got. And he, he played his, uh, he, that, that's the guy who plays the guitar on his last day, right? Yeah. 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 I, I wonder like if he... I wonder if like the power of not, not that a viral moment can save them all, but like if he, if he like, if he would play his guitar more often and people were like, treat that as a destination. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's a great idea. And yeah. I think, I think, I think if he would have thought about that, you know, he'd been there a while. I think if he, you know, I, I know he did that. I don't, you know, to what extent, uh, you know, like he had his amp and his guitar there and, and um so we knew that he obviously used it in some capacity but i think you're right like i think if he would have been the guitar playing jeweler that you know was on youtube i think that would have been pretty smart and i i mean with uh, sort of not how you could look at not not that santa claus is a viral moment but that's like a part of the year where that that's a draw that gets you to to go to the mall and 
you guys you guys got some really great footage with the Santa. I think some of that is also in the trailer. Uh the Santa what was what was filming with him like? Was he kind of aware of sort of the the sort of grim bleak nature of the mall? Uh, he was just, I mean, he was just doing his job really. I mean, he was a really, he was really, um, he was a cool guy and you know, he had no issues, uh, letting us film him and stuff. He seemed, he seemed really open to that. Um, but he, you know, he didn't really speak much to the mall and the, and the ultimate, um, I think, uh, the, the, what was happening with the mall, unless Brett, unless you remember him talking to that, speaking to that. No, he was, he didn't, it was a job for him. He would fly to different places. So he he wasn't oh, wow. even a local guy. He was like a professional Santa. So he, his perspective, from what we were doing, you know, all, all, for all he knew, he didn't even ask us many questions. We, he just had to get clearance from the company that, you know, he worked for. And once we got that, he just was like, yeah, you know, whatever. And I think that, he he kind of it could have been a documentary about mall santas at that point and he was so chill and we t- kind of told him that we weren't really going to ask him any questions we were just going to throw a mic under his suit and you know obviously for him it was a good for us it was a good opportunity because it's always easier when you're filming like in a verite or observational way if someone has something they can do with their hands or they're busy they really forget about you and in that situation he was really doing his job and we were we had kind of a you know I was I was on a telephoto at that point lens and I was we were really and Brad was real far back and because we didn't want to freak the kids out and we didn't want them to think they that you know to look at our camera when they were smiling and get in the way and we wanted to film all day uh, over several days because we knew that we would you know get some kids being cute or weird or whatever and. Um, he that that totally worked because um, I remember when Brad was taking his mic off, he was like, "Oh yeah, I have this mic on." He just t- completely lost it, you know, forgot about it. Did you guys try and make like a like the the construction of the mall? I I think the even as we we sit here, the images of those bricks, the uh, the aesthetics, the construction of the mall. Uh, just stick out in my mind so much did you like try and sort of frame staging grounds to like get that it's it's like such a okay i remember it when um when when stranger things was coming back and they were making like such a big deal of the mall and just to think that you guys had this like really really perfect set (laughs) yeah we i remember you know that that was part of what when brad sent me pictures of the mall when we first started this thing the pictures look like what you're talking about like And I looked at him and I was just like, you know, whether we do anything here or not, I would love to just take pictures or film it just because the way the how symmetrical things were and how the skylights under the color temperature we were at looked green and the buzzing of the fluorescence and the real plants and the drab colors and some pockets were more lit than others, creating like fractions of light and corners and just every section of the mall you would go to, you could, you know, you could stop and I could just set a camera there and just like sit, do a 360 and, and, and get like shots, you know? And then, so there were days that we just went up there and Brad would record sound like sounds of the mall and I would just get video 
and it, I could, you know, we could stay there all day doing that just because of what you're talking about aesthetically. It just had all that vibe. I, I wish it, the only thing I think it would have made it over the top if this would have had an escalator going up to a second level. Right. Yeah. That would have been ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of those sequences I was just thinking of, I, I, in that era of which I watched it, I was like, digesting a lot of art house films. Uh, that tends to be like my preference uh, for casual viewing, anyway. But I was thinking, like, if only if 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 I think that uh, Terrence Malick should go look seek out that spot for you, you, the con- the contemplative scenes were just. It seemed like it was like right out of something that that he would make. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's very the long because it's very serene and and it, for for people listening, you can see that we'll link to the trailer. Um, you, you, it, it's very reflected in the way that you present the movie that this is um, somewhat of a of a slice of life, and it's very specific to the the mall, like the the. It's not about na- national malls. It's not about the decline of malls necessarily, but it it really is about Jasper Mall and. How much did that? Um, I remember there was a scene where uh, I, I'm pretty sure you guys were on the roof, and Mike was talking a little bit about the because the the larger town that the the mall is located in doesn't factor in all that much, but he does talk a little bit about what changed locally that that the mall was on a downward slide for a while. Yeah, he he comments on. Uh that the local government is really interested in bringing up downtown, you know, because the, the sort of idea of downtown shopping and more boutique shopping, outdoor shopping is, is popular. Um, but that the mall really needs, uh, some attention. And I mean, kind of, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up like the, the boutique shopping, um, a big complaint that I have about going to the mall these days is, especially when I was early transitioning and I, I could actually use some like good customer service because I, I, I didn't have a clue of what I was doing. A lot of these, a, a, a lot of the, a lot of the stores that are more the national chains, you go in and, I mean, the employees are are severely underpaid. They're not terribly uh, incentivized to like do a lot of this stuff uh, that that you'd find in a more localized boutique setting. And I, I, I guess part of why I, at least some people are moving away from malls isn't, isn't just necessarily that online is more convenient, but if you go to a mall and like there's nothing there that's necessarily better than what you would find online, other than the fact that you could try it on, I think that's probably uh, at least in part de- contributing to the, the, the decline of malls in general. Just, no, you're right. And that being said though, it's like some malls are making it though. And they're, they have to be like what you're talking about with like a shoe store is a really good thing to have in a mall because I've never bought shoes online um, because I want to like try them on. Cause they're always so hard to fit, you know? And candy stores are really fun chocolate stores are really fun to go in and like look around and pick what chocolate or candy or cookies that you want so like in houston the mall that i grew up going into baybrook mall that mall is thriving and it it's because they have like nice restaurants and everything i just said like 10 different shoe stores you know like a you know super high-end jordan shoe store that the shoes are like four hundred dollars 
and just to go in there and look at those shoes in person and, 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 um, you know, I think that if you're in an area that's busy and you can facilitate things like that, that people that lend themselves to walking around and, and, and going into, I think that that works at a place like Spencer's though, for example, that, you know, why, you know, Spencer's is now basically like Amazon because Spencer's was cool because it had like hundreds of different things in it. Am I thinking of the right place? It had like, was it Spencer's Brad or was Is that it the place that sort of had like, it was kind of one part gag gifts and one part. No, I'm thinking no, of I, like new that stuff. Is, yeah, that is Spencer's. Oh, I'm um, thinking of like, it had Skechers? like, no, it wasn't Skechers. It was like a, a hot topic. Are you? No, 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 no. We have, we have a hot topic that just got uh, looted in, on Memorial day. It just reopened. Oh, wow. Oh, it did. God. Yeah. Somebody, you, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what you're thinking of. I don't know. It had like, um, it was, I don't want to say Brookstone. I don't know what it was, but it had like a bunch of different, it was like basically like when you get on a plane and you look at a sharper image, sharper image. That was yeah. 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 So, those, were, those were fun to go in. But you see, you'd think that those are, so, I felt like those were so much fun when I was a kid to go in and play yeah. with that stuff. But I guess, yeah, I don't know. But now know. Amazon though, it's like you, it's a basically you can, if you're sitting here bored, and you want to like, and you have some money and you just are like on Amazon, you're like, Oh, I want to like a knife or, you know, like I need a hard drive or I want to buy a, you know, a Blu-ray or, you know, things that you don't need is what that store was about. And I think it really worked, but I think Amazon or an online shopping hurt that kind of thing. Um, those kinds of stores for sure. Um, because a lot of times people don't want to, you know, they're so comfortable at home. They don't want to leave their house. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're, we're in an era, I mean, this really is kind of the perfect movie to, to rent or to buy online and, and stream from your home because mm-hmm. I, I, I personally just out of interest, having spent time uh, reviewing the film, talking with you guys, like I would like to go to the Jasper mall, but if there was like a, if it, if there was a mall that was identical to Jasper, that was like n- near me and there hadn't been a documentary, I would totally not want to go there. Uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully have we have uh nice smalls i'd be remiss if i didn't point out uh on uh the sharper image that uh the current president of the united states used to sell mail order steaks through the sharper image that business that that's where trump steaks was uh that business so did not weird. did not do very well <laughs> wow god <laughs> yeah that's uh that's anyway uh I, I totally agree with what you're saying about the shoes, though. Like, I uh, hate buying shoes online because half mm-hmm. the time they never fit. And But then, like, when I go to stores, I don't uh, – they never have my size anyway. And I, I have, like, pretty small feet. But um, So that's kind of, like, an issue. But, like, I think about, like, the two stores that I really am, like, personally invested in. It's my local – uh, record store down the street and then our, our local uh, comic book store, which uh, those are like in, in the way that they are, are kind of able to to thrive now is to ramp up like the one commodity that brick and mortar can have over a place like Amazon. And that's that's the, the you know, personality and the flavor and like a guy. We, we've talked about this in other episodes too, like as it relates to uh, Spotify or even like the Netflix individual, like, like we're taking human curation out of so much of our mm-hmm. consumerist experience. And I, I, I don't think that that's like, how many people do you know who 
talk about how they will uh, spend 20 minutes looking for something to watch on Netflix and then they'll just go back and like watch The Office or something. That's I mean, that's me like every day. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And yeah, I think that record store, I mean, I think a record store is a perfect example because, um, you know, you, you it, definitely it's, it's, it was kind of a, it had to get worse before it got better. I think, you know, a lot of local record stores right. where I was from in Houston, you know, we, at, one, at one point in time, you know, in the, in the late nineties, there were, you know, six of them that I could choose to go to. Um, and they were all pretty good, you know, like they were all great in their own way and they all offered something a little bit different. And then a lot of those closed and then, the big box record store and the best buys that had kind of made them close because they sold CDs and, and, and so forth to stop doing that. And it gave local record stores an opportunity to open again, but now you get fewer, but potentially you get the fewer that you get are, you know, well curated, you know, um, or, or, you know, have, have something unique about them that make you want to order from them and not, you know, eBay or Amazon or Discogs or wherever else you can buy vinyl from. And like you were saying with the comic books stores, uh, Baybrook Mall has a comic book store, and they host like a weekly D and D tournament or whatever. So yeah, you can't, a lot of them do that. I love that. I love the. I love this. I love the hangout culture of those kinds of places, and people just standing around and meeting people and getting into something um, uh, around people that are interested in the same thing. Because you know, when you walk in there, you're going to be around people that are interested in the same thing you are, and I love that, and I think that uh, that's why I think at least that mall where I'm from is doing well is because they're realizing that, and and it's kind of like there's so it's such a large place, and and so many people are are, are going to those places um, that it's it's actually working, and you can eat. There's 15 places to eat in there. Yeah, because I mean, I, like like the the kind of the big plight of the the jasper like shopping in that now is is seem like it, it feels like it carries the weight more of like needing to provide a, an experience like you go out you get your thing uh it, it'd be from a personalized uh shopkeeper who knew what they were talking about and then you got something to eat along the way versus you know you clicked an amazon button and two days later you got what you wanted so i mean that that seemed like it was kind of the plight of of, of the jasper mall the fact that like the anchor stores were leaving and it was, you know, places that you wouldn't necessarily go out of your way for, but maybe you'd stop by. They, uh, you know, struggled without, without something that actually gets people inside the mall. True. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I mean, meet when I, when I was going to the mall as a young person, um, like eating a slice of again Sabaros or wherever you're going there is is a massive part of that or getting candy or something like that and I think that was a huge loss for Jasper Mall was when I mean they had all kinds of restaurants there at one point it was like kind of full as as full as it can be in that little small food court but that definitely hurt business and I think that people used to come there just to eat and hang and sit in there and eat because it's comfortable it's spread out and maybe they want to go shop afterwards. So I think losing food in a place like Jasper mall is like devastating. So as we, as we uh, head into the home stretch and start to wrap up, I wanted to talk about uh, the film's premiere at slam dance, what that was like uh, and um, sort of what the, what the plans are, the, the films come out, but talk about uh, slam dance and then, well, I guess I, I can ask about the challenges of, of releasing a film during the pandemic next as a two-part 
case it's a little too hard to digest all at once? <laughs> uh, Slime Dance was great. I mean, we, you know, from the minute we got there, you know, we felt like it was, it was a perfect place for Jasper Mall um, to premiere. I mean, the, you know, it's, it's got a, it's got a, a sort of a DIY um, vibe, but you know, the screenings are so that both screenings were just filled with people passionate about film. And then after watching Jasper Mall passionate about our film, you know, I mean, we, I felt like everyone we spoke to there really got the film and enjoyed it. And, and then of course, you know, we, we were able to get uh, distribution for the film out coming out of slam dance. So all of it was just a wonderful experience. Yeah. I mean, that's something we've lost. I feel like we're, we're people are missing so much now with the, the pandemic, the idea of being able to go to your local art theater and sit in a theater with people who are also there for the express purpose of uh, loving film. Yeah. I think it's a huge, you know, it's a really, uh, I mean, it's obviously necessary. We're, we're all doing the right thing, but just, you know, and, and generally it's like, it really sucks for filmmakers that have films right now that are going through a virtual film festival and they don't get to meet people and talk to people and make those connections. Cause that's, that's what's, you know, we've made so many connections with other filmmakers through film festivals that we've gone on to do other things with and just be able to watch their careers. It, it's, it's a really big loss. Um, so I'm hoping, uh, we, we've also, you know, we've tried to connect with people and, you know, and, and, during this time, even though we, we weren't really terribly involved with the virtual festival circuit because we, Brad and I kind of, when this started happening, we thought we were just like, why don't we just go ahead and, and, you know, if, if Gravitas Ventures is interested in releasing our film, we should just go ahead and pull the trigger now instead of maybe normally we might go through a year of film festivals before we make a decision, you know? Right. Yeah, there was a there's a film festival this week that I had signed up to cover, and then like I, I think they're kind of like learning on the fly about how to um, like send the stuff. I wasn't I, I I'd been a, a bunch of the directors reached out to me asking me to review their film, and I'm like I, I literally had to say like, I don't have the film. I can't yeah. like you have to, I have to get the film. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. what we're uh, trying to find. I, I, I just think back to, to slam dance when, um, I, I used kind of the week before Sundance to get, get ready like, men- mentally to sit in a, for six days and watch like four or five movies a day. I, I was preparing and, and Jasper mall was the second slam dance that I watched. And when I, when I saw the description, I watched the trailer. I'm like, I have to see this because mm. you know, there was a, when I would talk about it at Sundance, you get kind of like a puzzling look at first. Like, this is a movie about a mall, and then like they'd say, like, does it close? And it's like, no. And then they're like, well, if it doesn't close, then why is? And it's like, no, this is really, it's a really mesmerizing experience. And I watched it, and I couldn't take. I, I, I just, I, I kept thinking about how just surreal that must have been to spend that kind of time in there crafting this narrative. And you both did such a beautiful job. Thank you. Yeah, and it's it's nice to hear you talk about how much you're. I mean, you're 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 expressing the ex- exact sentiment that we felt when we got in the mall, and we were just hoping that other people would feel that we were trying to basically like highlight that in this film, and we didn't know if you know you never know what's going to happen when you're making a movie, and you know 
just the stuff that you're saying makes me feel like you kind of got exactly what we were trying to do. And it, you know, it's, it's nice. Uh, it feels rewarding. Well, thank you. I mean, thankfully, um, you know, we're, we're I, I, I think as, as, um, you know, the pandemic has, has separated a lot of people in a lot of ways. Um, like we were expecting like the podcast numbers to go down in the past couple, uh, last month was our biggest, but they've been climbing. I think people are sort of going out of there. They're stepping out. They can't step outside, but they can kind of step out and try to figure out, you know, I, I, I need this craving for culture. Mm -hmm. So people have been, um, with, with, like seemingly uh i mean every day it's like a mad madhouse of you know can you watch this film can you watch that film and like they're all kind of sh accepting that you know it, no one knows when theaters are going to reopen like the new mutants movie's been postponed about a hundred times but yeah I, I i feel like like for our audience listening this is uh you guys have got to check this out i i mean i i talk highly of the films we bring on because we wouldn't bring them on if I thought they were bad mm -hmm. um obviously but this is one in particular that I I really it's 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 it people talk about like uh like uh Walden the the throw book a lot as like a quiet contemplative thing I mean ha having read that twice for grad school I mean he's he it, it's really like I don't think you get that kind of like vibe vibe from that but but I, I think Jasper Mall is uh. is if you want to like just kind of look it, it's kind of like a pastoral in a lot of ways and I, I i can't recommend it enough thank you appreciate so, that um, final question what's what's next for you both we're trying to do you know we want to do something similar to this because we had so much fun making this um but we don't want to rush into it um and we're trying to be careful with with everything you know with covid right now we're just trying to play it by ear so we have a bunch of ideas written down, but uh, honestly, nothing has reared its head. So we're we're just like op we've opened ourselves up to like let something come to us right now. Any any plans for uh, a return uh, for a sequel with Mike? I think Mike <laughs> should appear in your next film. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, in twenty years, we'll. I think we should go hang out with him wherever he's at and do something with him. I I, I love Mike. I would love to just. Uh, we, so many times we were like, should we be going home with Mike and see what his home life is like? Like, is this this kind of movie? And we were like, no, it's let's keep it inside the mall. Let's like focus and 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 do it and like never leave the mall basically. But I, I you know, Mike's a great person and and I'm sure whatever he's doing is interesting at this exact moment right now. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. I Cheers is one of my all-time favorites to to rewatch. I hate when they leave the bar when they're like, <laughs> yeah, hey. it's just like yeah. it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Imagine but, if Mike uh, was imagine if Mike was still at Jasper Mall in twenty years. If that's the case, we'll have to go back and, and film with him again. Yeah, definitely. And, was... and he's the manager of the Amazon fulfillment center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a. Uh, Definitely an interesting uh, note to end on. Uh, Bradford and Brett, I want to thank you so much for coming on. We'll uh, link to where... Oh, I guess... Where, where can we find the film? I'll link to it, but generally I like to ask. It's uh, ja uh, jaspermallmovie.com. Perfect. So I'll link to that and to the film's social media. Thank you. I will not link to the mall's website because I don't think that's been updated since before you started filming. But um, <laughs> No. And, 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 you know, uh, I want to thank you both. This was uh, great. Definitely check out the film. And thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time.